Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Villa Talks podcast, a special edition of the Late Night Ramble. We're recording this on a, on a Thursday lunchtime, mainly because Jugsy wanted better lighting because we're doing a video for the first time on YouTube. Um, but I'm joined by the, the regular crew. You can finally see their faces and see what our ugly mugs, ugly mugs look like. We've got Chadzi. Hello, Chadzi. How you doing, mate? You all right? Hi, mate. Very well. Thank you. Jugsy. What's How up, are you, mate? How you doing? All right, yeah, mate, good, mate. mate. Good, good, good. And Deckers, mate, you good? Can you hear us okay? Yeah, can hear you. All right, boys. Good, good, good. Well, uh, this is going to be a, a special edition. We're finally getting round to recording um, the, the special episode around Black History Month, and it's coming to the end of the month, and we're going to uh, delve deep into our top five black players to play for Aston Villa. And we're also going to preview the Southampton game on Sunday as well. Um, and we'll go into a bit of detail around that as well. Uh, but firstly, we're going to talk about uh, the top five black players. So we've had a bit of a discussion on WhatsApp already. Uh, it's been a hotly debated, so this one should be interesting and uh, should be some interesting uh, things coming out in this episode. Um, we've all got a bit of a consensus on our first three players, um, and it's just the remaining two that we're not too sure about. So we're all going to take turns and, and pick our our players who we think should be the, the final two but before we start that um just to confirm who our first three are and who the who, who which three players we we've agreed are the the three of the best and this is going to be no order at all it's going to be you know top five in any order um so the, the three that we've picked are paul mcgrath obviously for for obvious reasons and we'll go into detail about each of these players and why we've picked them dwight york and the last one is Ashley Young. So they're the three that we've all decided that make everyone's lists. Um, albeit some of us might not have seen Paul McGrath in his pump. Um, you know, we've all decided you, you just can't leave him out. Uh, we're going to go in each player in a little bit of detail, like I said, and then debate the last two. So before we start debating, let's go through the three players that we've picked. Um, Chadzi, yes, do you want to start? Just to, yeah, yeah on, just to confirm that. Just to add a caveat, it's a Premier League era only, isn't it? Because obviously... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good, good yeah. point. Yeah, so Premier League era only because, well, I'm the oldest here and uh, the first season I started watching was 93, 94. Um, so before that, you know, I know there's, there's plenty of black players. Tony Daly, for example, was coming towards his end of his Villa career, but had a, had a great spell at the Villa before that. Mark Walters, you know, uh, other players that have played for Aston Villa before that we, we just haven't seen, so we can't give a judgment on. Um, so, so that's a bit of a caveat to start off with. So if you're going to disagree, obviously, just remember that as well. Uh, and it's fine to disagree, obviously, this is the whole point of this. But, but before we start and go into the, the last two, let's talk about the three that we have picked. And uh, uh, Chadzi, do you want to focus on Dwight York first and explain why we've picked him? Yeah, um, Yorkie holds some great memories for me personally, but also some pretty bad memories from when he moved on, I think quite vivid memories of being in Spain with my dad um, in the summer when he left for United. Uh, we were staying in a, in a campsite in Salou and my dad walked in through the red top newspaper on the, on the 
kitchen table and it was Yorkie holding up United shirt on the back page and I remember I remember actually crying I think I was 10 or 11 I remember actually crying because he'd left that's how much I loved him and I know the Villa fans loved him at the time um supremely talented footballer wasn't he a pretty special player he had that magic he had the skill he could score goals left foot right foot good in the air for a um a guy that wasn't wasn't massive and um had had a pretty big impact on the club. I, I you know, don't know, it's up for debate, obviously, but I'd say he's probably the most talented in terms of skillful player we've had up, up until Jack. Um, just on the ball, what he could do, the way he could beat players. Um, and some of the goals he scored were just, just special. And he had, coming from uh, Trinidad, he had that sort of, sort of aura about him, didn't he, of the unknown and yeah. the fact that it did feel like we had something special that other, other clubs didn't have. Um, just looking at his stats, he scored 66 goals for us over 208 games, but in his first three or four years, he was played mainly as a winger, wasn't he, in the early 90s. Yeah. He couldn't get a game up front with Atkinson and Saunders being the, the key partnership, but then in the mid-90s, he really established himself as the main man Scored 15 goals in 95-96, including one in the final against Leeds. Um, the next year, 14. And then 12 goals in 97-98, including a couple in that UEFA Cup run, which um, is the season where he, he obviously got his move to United at the end of it. Just when I was doing a bit of research before, I couldn't believe that... Um, well, I, I had no memory that he didn't play in the 94 Cup final. Yeah. You know, he won yeah, two yeah. trophies, but he didn't actually play in that 94 final. He's, he talks um, about how he was shocked and gutted that he didn't play in that game. And um, Yeah, absolutely quality player for Villa. Um, and I found it quite sad the way a few years later when he moved on to Blackburn and Blues and the whole 10 turned against him and it, it, it got a bit personal. And, it, you know, I, I look back on him with fond memories and try and forget those few years where it came a bit nasty, to be honest, because... He's obviously still got a soft spot for the club. He always throws his hat in the ring <laughs> when the manager's job comes up. Comes up, so you know, it gave us some great times and absolute bangers to be in the top five. Great, Graham Fenton wasn't it that played in the '94 final? I don't know if yeah. you remember that. It might be a bit young, but that um, he, he was sort of a bit of a shock inclusion by Atkinson, and and obviously it worked because we won the game. But, but I think York was expecting himself to be ahead of someone like him but yeah what a player and just is the way he played the game the collars up uh, I just remember in the AST kit you know AST computers kit I just that's when I think of him that's what I think about long sleeves as uh, well long sleeves cycling shorts cycling underneath shorts, shorts. Yeah. yeah yeah I just remember and uh, Mizuno Mizuno sponsored by Mizuno as well I just those little things you just remember as a kid because all that kind of stuff meant so much more to you because it was just like yeah. this amazing player and and, well, yeah. and and one of the best players in the league. And, and you saw that with going to Man United when what he did there with Andy Cole, you know, it showed you the ability he had. I've been lucky enough to speak that. to uh, a few people that knew him personally at the time as well. So a few people on the cricket scene that were um, friends with Brian Lara. Yeah. Brian Lara was playing for Warwickshire at the time and him and Yorkie, I think they got up to quite a bit of mischief off the pitch as well during that, during that period. So I've heard some good stories about him as a character off the pitch. They went the same school, didn't they? I think. I don't know, mate. They were good mates. Him, they were good him mates, and yeah. um, is it Shaka Hislop? Maybe. I'm yeah. sure they were. At, yeah, maybe. They yeah. might have been at the same school. Might be, yeah. But they're all good mates, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But oh, I was saying, a... like, he was the sort of consistent 20 goal 
a season striker, wasn't it, for Villa? And we've never really had that since, where someone could do it season in, season out. Um, and he could do everything up front. I thought he scored all types of goals. So whether he dropped deep to link up play or was that sort of fox in the box, he, he did everything and everything he wanted as a striker, York had. So he ticked all the boxes for me. In terms of quality, he obviously went on to prove prove himself at United. That that step up made it seem easy, didn't he? He went on to win the treble, Champions League and his partnership with Andy Cole um, just shows the type of player that if you play with better players and you get that opportunity that your talents can really flourish. So, yeah, absolute yeah. superstar, really. Yeah, he was. He was a special player, you know, and a player that most fans of our age will, will love uh, forever. I think, you know, you're right. It did end in bad note, you know, with Gregory saying he would have shot him and, and things like that. You know, I always remember that. But, you know, it's one of those things. When he was at Villa, he was, a, he was an amazing player. In the first few seasons, like you say, didn't get involved too much in, in, in the first team and he was sort of a bit part of player. But after that, he was our best player. And probably, you know, you could argue probably our best Premier League player ever, maybe, um, which we can debate. But, you know, he's definitely up there. Uh, so I think with, without a shadow of doubt, you know, he needs to be in that top five list. And I think we can all agree that, you know, he, he's uh, he's in that list on merit. Definitely. Next player, uh, Ashley Young. Um, some people might find this contentious, but I, I'd agree with, with this. And we've all agreed with this. Ashley Young. A fantastic record for us, a part of a, an era that was quite successful for us, albeit not with trophies, but in terms of performances and how we did in the league and just the, just a general feeling of a, of a good team and a team you can get behind. And Ashley Young was a massive part of that. Jugsy, do you want to just touch upon Ashley Young and, and why you think he deserves to be in the top five list? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Youngie for me was probably one of my favourite Villa players and a player who was season for Villa. So, as you mentioned, he was part of that Martin O'Neill era where we were a good side and we beat some of the top teams and we finished in the top six. But I thought Young was integral to that. He was the go-to player for us during that period. And he was that player where, when we were at Villa Park, as soon as he got the ball, you, you sort of get up off your chair. And he had that sort of um, reaction to fans where he always made something happen and on that wing he worked quite hard as well I think his work rate was underrated where he'd be up and down that wing yeah. but all the good memories and all the good times from the, that, that area was Young was quite integral to that so whether he was doing that trademark cut back onto his right crossing it in for Gabby's headers against Blues and United Youngie was always involved and he in terms of his talent he improved massively at Villa when he started off obviously playing off Carew uh, when we signed him in the January window, um, he was sort of playing as a second striker. And when he when he got that move to the left-hand side, um, he just became a different player. He was probably the most dangerous winger during the, that, that period in the Premier League. And I think it proved where he got recognition, not just from obviously Villa fans and teammates. Um, he was the PFA Young Player of the Year, was PFA Team of the Season two years running. So just shows what other players and other managers and teams thought about him, where they rated him very highly and he was our, our danger man. And as I mentioned, it was just consistency. I mean, he, um, he saw his goal record was 37 goals, 59 assists and 190 games. So his goal Amazing. contribution was like one in two games, which is yeah, great for a top six side like Villa were at that point. So it just shows what influence he had on the pitch. He took all the set pieces. Um, he was that player that if we were struggling in a game, O'Neill's instructions were like, get the ball to Yashley Young. It'll make something happen. And 
generally he did he did he did turn games for us and uh, was that match winner and I know O'Neill sort of is was one of his favourites uh, teacher's pet if you like and uh, he called him world class but I thought he was world class during that period and he deserved his move to, to United and I know a lot of Villa fans hold him don't hold him into the best sort of high regard in terms of they think he's a bit of a diver but during that period, he showed loyalty. He played for Villa four and a half seasons. Didn't seek a move out too soon. I mean, did did a stint at Villa and uh, tried to push us into that top four sort of. But um, when that United move came, I think it was right for both parties to, to let, let him go. And we got a decent £80 million fee from him. So he did well at United initially. And then I think injuries, he, he struggled on that. But I thought, yeah, Jungi, I think, is, is one of the best players I've seen in a Villa shirt. Um, certainly probably the best winger. Um, yeah, it was exceptional for me. I'm not sure yeah. what, what you guys think of that. Yeah, no, I think it's um, yeah, it's hard to argue against that. You know, I remember that second season, Martin Neal season, that first season where we wore the Nike kit, where he got like something like what the 15, 16 assists in that season. Uh, when we were sco- scoring goals left, right, and centre, you know, he was a massive part. And the season after the game against Everton, we scored the winner. You know, those memories. I mean, I mean, Decker, you're you're slightly younger than all of us, uh, and that was probably a, a good time for you as being a Villa fan. Obviously, we saw some of the earlier earlier successes in the League Cup and stuff. But, I mean, what's your memories of Ashley Young and what do you remember about him as a player? Um, I remember, I remember um, like, the whole end singing his name before he was signed. So, I forget, what year was he signed? What year did we sign Ashley Young? It would have been 2007, was it? January 2007? 2007, yeah. yeah. 2007. So I was still, yeah. like, that was sort of when we, I was getting, we were getting excited about a player that we hadn't even signed yet, so... I knew he was going to be something special, really. Um, and he came into an exciting side, so I'll always remember him fondly. I mean, what do you, what do you remember of him as a player? I mean, what, what, what do you think his best attributes were uh, as a winger? Um, I, I wouldn't say he, he's not like your typical sort of fast-paced winger. Like, I'm not sure how he would get on nowadays in sort of like a front, front three. But in the Martin O'Neill days when we were playing four four two, he was perfect. His delivery was spot on. And um, playing in when sort of like John Carew is the target man. Yeah. With somebody like Ashley Young on the on the pitch, he can put it on point. Yeah. For, yeah. For players yeah. like Carew. I think he's a, he can... he's a really good example, isn't he, of somebody that. Um, benefited from the players around him. It's like sometimes players get judged on. Their, their careers get judged on their output and their goals and assists and things like that. But a lot of the time, it's it's luck as to what manager you get, you know, you play with, whether they have confidence in you, whether they give you the the sort of blank canvas to go out and do what you can do, your teammates. And I think Villa at that period found a real special, special connection, didn't they, between Gabby, Young, Carew, and it just seemed to click. So a lot of his assists were simply Carew headers or flick-ons or tap-ins that Gabby put him across the front of the goal and that that bond they all all three players sort of benefit benefited from that didn't they so yeah. you know like like Jake says if if he was playing for us under Alex McLeish or Paul Lambert with a different type of striker with Andy Vime or something like that you know mm. perhaps not looked on so fondly so a lot of time a lot of time we have to judge players on the bigger picture not just how lucky they were to have certain teammates or Playing yeah. in certain eras. 
Yeah, and I also think that his partnership with Gareth Barry on the left-hand side for those first couple of years was, was massive as well because they linked up so well. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you had Petrov or Ryokoka who uh, uh, and Sidwell to a point as well, who would play in midfield and, and and sort of be the protection if you like. And but then Gareth Barry was allowed to bomb forward and link up with Young. And you know, I remember goals against Bolton and Reading and uh, other teams like that where <clears throat> those two linked up well on the left-hand side against Man City in that first game when Gabby scored a hat trick. You know. That they were running riot, and you're right. And, you know, he had good players around him, but I also think with Ashley Young, a big th- a big part of his game that you don't really see now nowadays is the the wit- the pace he put his cross in. Yeah, you know how he crossed the ball. You know he'd cut yeah. back inside and put it in with a lot of he'd pace. Whip it, wouldn't it? Whip yeah. it, and very difficult. And now I think you see a lot of these floaty crosses or you know, like sort of flicks to the back post and. They're just not as effective, and, you, and I'm surprised you don't see it. Like someone like Algarzi, for example, who's who plays well from the left hand side and probably prefers it. You know, he's got that ability, but he never really shows it. And you just you just want him to when he does cut inside, you want him to just you know try and whip it in as quickly yeah. as possible. Just if, if you get any yeah. sort of flick on or anything like that, it goes in. You know, it's just you don't yeah. really see that. These, these Harder days. to defend yeah. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think during that period, we were a threat in uh, for set pieces. So obviously, we had likes of Durden Collins and centre-backs of, of that sort of hype with that Lawson as well. But Young was integral to that. He was good on free kicks, good on corners. And he did show some versatility. Yeah. So he played on the right, played a uh, free role under Julier. So remember when we signed Darren Bent, Young he was yeah. playing as a free, as a number 10, really. So he showed he was adaptable. Um, and yeah, I think he had everything. Uh, he had sort of that pace and that technical ability as well. So, and he worked hard for the team. I think that was one thing that was probably underrated. I mean, he always tracked back um, yes. Harper is left back. We've only got to look at what he's doing now. Yeah, he's still, yeah, still playing left yeah. back for Inter yeah, Milan. Yeah. yeah, you know he's converted himself into a defensive uh, yeah. player. And, and just going back, to this, you know, I remember I remember that period vividly. That was probably the last time, you know, ten years ago that when we'd get a corner, I'd be excited thinking this was a goal scoring opportunity. Like with Larson doing exactly what Jugsy said. Yeah. I, I thought a goal was coming when we got yeah. a corner and I think that season Larson scored five or six and I remember the goal against Ajax and his delivery was just, just absolutely yeah. spot no, on. Bang on, bang on, yeah. So, I mean, there's not much more to say on that and actually Young, I think, you know, he's he deserves a chance there. Again, one of our best ever Premier League players and, and in terms of goal contributions, Juggs has already mentioned, but also just his overall attitude and willingness to win and how he drove us on. And it's just a shame that we didn't get that top four spot and we didn't win the League Cup. You know, that, that would have been that would have capped it off and uh, you know definitely made him one of the biggest legends in Villa history. And I still think he's a legend. Don't get me wrong, but he, he, uh, you know, I think in this list he deserves his place. Um, and then the final final player that we're going to touch upon, I think there's no real arguments about this one. Is potentially one of our best ever players, if not our best player, arguably um, a player that uh, is held. An elite status, hero status, songs are sung about him, you know, Paul McGrath's song. It's the, one of the first songs we, we sing at the ground um, when, when we play teams. And unfortunately, obviously, we can't be there at this present time. But, you know, I know all of us can't wait to get back in the ground and, and, and get back in the stadium and, and start singing those songs again. And Paul McGrath, you know, what a legend he was. And I was lucky to see him play. You know, I was quite young. So my first season was 93, 94. Um, and my first memories of, of that really are the, the League Cup win uh, against Man United. And he was amazing that day. He was so good. Uh, and we, every player had to be amazing that day. But he, him especially against you know, Mark Hughes, who was an excellent striker at that point in time, you know, one of the best strikers in the league. And like Kinchowskis on the wing. And, and you know, he was covering for, for, for the full-backs and, and playing alongside 
uh, you know, Sean Teal, Kevin Richardson, Ray Houghton, Andy Townsend, those types of players. You know, that was a really great team that we had. And the season before that, we'd finished second in the league. And, and unfortunately, I don't quite remember. I remember bits, but I don't remember too much. But he was PFA Player of the Year or Players Player of the Year, was in the PFA Team of the Year. Had an amazing World Cup in 94 with Italy. And I remember those games. I remember that 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 win and how he played in that game. You know, he was just a man mountain. He was amazing. He was... He was decent on the ball, but he was quick. He anticipated things well. He was a monster in defence. He won everything in the air, uh, and, and you know he was just he, he made he made defending look effort, effortless. You know he, he just he just knew what he was doing, and and you know he considering the amount of injuries he had and, and the knee injuries he had, and the fact that he didn't train, and obviously it came out afterwards with the autobiography uh, back on uh, back from the brink. You know the, the problems we had with alcohol. You know he had all those problems going on in the background, and still. You know, managed to week in, week out, perform consistently, and be one of the best players. And and even a couple of seasons before, in his first season, we finished second behind Liverpool as well. And I don't re- I don't remember that at all. Obviously, I was about four years old then. But you know, shows you the the level of consistency he had. You know, he's won two league cups with us. He's finished second twice and came close to winning the league both times. And and that season against Man United, if you know, if one or two results went our way, you know, that that would have easily been the first Premier League win of the era and, and would have been Aston Villa. So it's a shame that didn't happen. But overall, as a player, I mean. It's, uh, I mean, Chazzy is hard to. I know you didn't see too much of him, but it's hard to argue against him, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing too much of him live, to be honest. I, I, I did watch him play, but I was very young. But I was brought up on the 92 93 season review video. I've still got it now. I must have watched it a hundred times. Uh, that the season we finished second, and there's a big piece on that about him obviously being PFA Player of the Year. and all the praise that he gets in that and some of his performances stand out. And I know he scored a few goals that season as well. And you've only got to look at what his teammates, um, players, managers of other clubs say about him. You've got only got to look at what Ferguson says about him um, to, to realise what a, what a talent yeah. and what a player he was. So I'm glad that we're talking about somebody that actually... Um, was not only excellent for us, but managed to achieve a bit of silverware for us as well. So he sort of capped it off and got the recognition he deserves by actually putting something in the trophy cabinet. Um, yeah, club legend. And like you say, we still sing his name to this day. So um, probably probably goes yeah. in at number one for, yeah. for most yeah. people. I'll argue against that. I mean, unless, unless, you, unless you boys got anything to add, I think it's, there's not too much to say more about that, um, about Paul McGrath. Yeah. You know, it's an obvious choice. Jugsy, do you have anything Just to add? Yeah, just lastly, I think with football, it's evolved so much in the last sort of 20, 25 years. But he's a player now that would be at that Van Dyke status, I think, because he could do everything as a defender. Um, he was physically fit, strong, quick, good on the ball, could pass it out right foot or left foot. And he would be sort of, um, at this, at, say if he was in modern football now, he'd be at that world class sort of top tier of defender. That's how good he was. So he's yeah. one of those defenders that, yeah, Rolls-Royce kind of defender and one that, yeah, should be held to sort of high esteem, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and spot on, you know, he's a, not only is he one of Villa's best ever players, probably, like I said, maybe the best ever player, um, but also one of the best ever Premier League defenders as well. And then you have this, you know, the comparisons made with Terry and Ferdinand and Vidic and players like that. And don't get me wrong, they were amazing players and the best, some of the best ever, but I think McGrath is definitely up there with them. Um, you know, and deserves that spot. So that's the first three that we've got, and we've got general consensus on that. So time for the debate now, really, and the last two. 
So what we're going to do is we've we've all got our ideas of the last two, but we're going to pick a player each and and give our arguments for why we think they should be in that that remaining two spots. Um, we're going to go to Deckers first. Deckers is going to focus on one of his childhood icons, Dion Dublin, and uh, give uh, give his uh, ideas about why he should be why he should be in the last two spots. Deckers, go for it, mate. Yeah, I was, I've gone with Dublin because um, he's oh look, he's, he's a villa six years. So it was a good stint, 155 appearances with 48 goals, so it's not a bad record. Yeah. A lot of those towards the end of his career, he played. He converted into centre-back as well, yeah. um, which I can't think of too many other players that would be good enough to, to, to do that um, from striker to yeah. centre-back. Uh, and then a couple of like, key moments, he, he was joint top... Um, Goal scorer in the 97-98 season, along with Michael Owen and Chris Sutton, but got yeah. left out of the England squad. Yeah, um, which shows how, how how good he was really. And then the um, famous neck break and coming, they thought he was going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, and um, he came back three months later. Yeah, still as good good as he was before. Yeah. So I think that's a massive achievement for anybody. Mm. Um, he had an explosive start as well, like for Villa. He scored seven in his first three games, yeah. um, including one yeah. on his debut. Um, personal one was an overhead kick against Southampton when he was playing centre-back in front of the North Stand, that was, years ago. Um, and then, a bit of a controversial point, but one that's always going to live long in the memory is the headbutt on Robbie Savage. Which, uh, <laughs> I think deserve, deserve to go in just for that. Is that's a legendary status, isn't it? Really, I think after that. But, but no. But but also on that, the the next day, I, I look into it. He called a meeting with the Villa players to um, apologise um, about his behaviour because I know that he would have definitely regretted doing that. The type of person that he is. I've yeah. met him. He's a really nice bloke and. Uh, by the sounds of it, a really good professional. So, although something that I look look back upon fondly, it, it is something that he would regret. So yeah, he, yeah. He, he was a good pro. So yeah, but yeah, so that, that's why I would. That's why I thought he was. Um, yeah, yeah, no. So, so to be in there. It's um, all valid points, and uh, you know you're right. Yeah, we we do look upon that regret, but ultimately it did cost us that match that that headbutt. But you know <laughs> you're, t- you're taking that, yeah you don't care now do you really but Dublin you know you mentioned his start and uh, I'll, I'll let Chazzy uh, sort of delve deeper into this but I remember that start and he was just you know we sold York um, we were a bit down in the dumps I remember uh, he'd gone to Man United we we'd bought Merson we bought and then we bought Dublin and we were thinking you know will, will they be good enough will they do the job and, and obviously a Coventry Dublin like you said was joint top goal scorer but he came in absolute house on fire it was just unreal it was just so good um and scored and that first yeah. three games you know it was un- unreal and and generally through his villa career you know he was he was always good for a goal wasn't he chads yeah he was um he made a massive impact at the club like you said the club was looking for something to lift the spirits after york had left and we needed a new sort of focal point a new leader and uh, he, he was an experienced player. He'd done it at the lower levels of the Premier League. He'd kept Cov up sort of repeatedly for the last two or three seasons before that, almost single-handedly. And he, a bit like some of the players we've talked about for Villa that went on to get their move to United, he got a deserved move to 
to Villa, and it's quite a contra- controversial move around around these ways. A lot of a lot of Cov fans that uh, sort of despised him for making that move, but it was a natural step for him. And um, yeah, he made a massive impact at the club. And I just love the way a few players in that era, like him and Merson, fell in love with the club. You know, they're still massive advocates of Villa. They're still big big Villa fans to this day, and they still sort of bang the drum for Villa in the national media. So, you know, Dion, Dion was. He made a special impact at the club whilst he was there in the early years, but he's sort of still making that impact now, if that makes sense. He's still very much yeah. an Aston Villa man. Uh, and I think that does that does influence people's opinions as well. It does make you more fond of him. And, uh, yeah, a, a quality player. And like Decker said, top, top scorer that season, but didn't go to the World Cup. I think he was one of those that was very unlucky to play That's in an era of yeah. just... England, England, you know, 10 unbelievable strikers, Robbie Fowler, Andy Cole, were, were, likes of those guys weren't even getting a game, let alone Dion Dublin. So, yeah, uh, yeah and, quality uh, player. Yeah, you know, amazing player, good goal record, obviously played centre-back, as, as Deckers has said as well, did a job there, had that really bad neck injury and, and you know, came back in that semi-final against Bolton, scored that penalty as well and we were awful that day and, you know, we needed someone like him to come in and, and just yeah. finish the game off and uh, get us through. Unfortunately, we didn't win the final, and that was—I uh, mean, we don't need to go delve deep, too deep into that one. That was just a bad day, and uh, I, I think we all look back at that day with a bit of regret because that was a day that Chelsea were there for the taking. You know, we just needed to perform on the day, and we didn't. Um, Dublin, I mean, Jugsy, you're so you've gone for a, a different choice as uh, as um, as your player to go in for, for the last two remaining spots. Dublin, obviously, one of the best strikers Villa had, but your choice is, is Benteke, and do you think he he deserves to be tri- he deserves to be in there ahead of Dublin? Yeah, I, I believe so. I think you've got to judge Benteke on the players. Obviously, we had Lambert as manager and we weren't investing too much money into the squad at that point with Randy Lerner obviously tightening the purse strings. But um, yeah, I thought Benteke kept us up single-handedly in a couple of seasons and his goal record was phenomenal. 49 goals, 101 games. So again, one in two um, for a team that was fighting relegation during that period was a remarkable achievement and I think with Benteke he sort of was he exceeded our expectations he wasn't like a, a Stan Collymore Dublin type of signing or young type of signing he was a, a player from the Belgian league quite a young player 21 I think when he signed him and he just hit the ground running and mm-hmm. had a great first season and honestly was one of the toughest players to play against I think at that point for defenders because he was physical quite confident and scored all types of goals even though he was obviously quite tall and a bit of a target man for us um, he was good good on the ball good with his feet as well and um, yeah as I said when you judge it on, on the players around him he was playing with the likes of Brett Holman and Andy Wyman providing him with service and he still managed to score sort of 15 yeah. goals in the season and things like that so it just shows what a, an amazing player he was for Villa and I know he didn't win a trophy for us and we got to the FA Cup final, which was, again, uh, a good achievement. But him having that influence on the team and delivering them goals made made it possible that we were a Premier League side. Because otherwise, without him, we would have been relegated, I think, with Lambert. And, um, yeah, so I think he's one that I would definitely want to put in my top fives. And he's a player that exceeded Villa fans' expectations and Villa fans adored him. And, again... He's a player that I think would be in that top bracket in, in terms of strikers. Not probably uh, at the level of Dwight York, but definitely, yeah, top three, top top three or four strikers that we've had in the Premier League era. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Benteke scored 19 goals in that first season and you know, no, no striker has really come close to that in the Premier League era. Um, we're still waiting for someone to score 20 goals in, in the top division. Obviously, Abraham did it um, in the Championship, but no one else has come close since, since uh, you know, Peter Wirth. And, you know, he, he became the closest in a team that was pretty poor, like I said, with fighting relegation year in, year out. So it's, it's an interesting one and, um, you know, one we can debate. And, and I definitely think he needs to be up there and, and, and a potential option, you know, Dublin, Benteke. We've had another option, another player that we haven't talked about is Dalian Atkinson, who's one of my, was my first ever Aston Villa hero. Um, and an amazing player, albeit it was only you know was was um, was sort of plagued by injuries a little bit and was in and out the side a little bit. But but when he was on form, when he was on song, him and Dino were amazing together. And another player that should be mentioned, although not quite sure if he makes the cut. I personally have him in, but I'm not sure what you guys think. Um, and then the, the the player that we haven't talked about, uh, striker Villa, uh, our Premier League all-time top goalscorer, Gabby. Uh, and this is a this is one that's going to be hotly contested. I think um, a lot of players now, a lot of people now look at him back at fondly because of what he did against against the Blues and what he did in the Premier League. Uh, obviously, there was when he was coming towards the end of his career. You know, there was a bit of um, animosity towards him because of what happened with us getting relegated and his part he played in that and, and what happened after that. So you know, for those reasons, you know, this can be a bit. There's a bit of debate around this one, Chadzi. You're you're a big, massive, massive, massive Gabby fan. Always have been. What, what give you? What do you give your thoughts on why you think he should be in in this top five pick? Yeah. Well, I don't think I need to say any more, mate. You said it. He's our all-time Premier League goal scorer. I'm not even sure why we're debating it. He's got to be in there for me. He's um, He's given us so much over the years. Um, he scored 74 goals for the club and 34 assists as well, which is far more than I would have expected. 12-year Villa career and, you know, in his prime, he, he, he was unrivaled. His pace and power, he obviously got three England caps because of it. And, and that was in an era, again, where they weren't exactly giving caps away like they do nowadays. But, you know, I, I think my, my opinion, and I'm quite biased in the fact that I was... I was lucky enough to be there, really, at all these milestone moments. You know, I was there. I, I experienced the ecstasy of of all of those moments that he gave us. And there are so many. So maybe my opinion is swayed by that. But for me, that's what football's all about. It's about memories. It's about celebrations. It's about looking back on that day when that happened all those years ago, rather than generally going over on, on stats or whatever, whatever um, we, we might do. But... Yeah, I, I watched his debut at Everton um, when he came on in the away end. It was a sparse away end that day, and an early kickoff on a Sunday. We lost four-one, but he came on. No one had heard of him. We couldn't. We didn't know how to pronounce his name. He got his goal, and that set him up for what was a pretty meteoric rise, really, over the next few years in his career. Um, in his prime, like we talked about earlier, under Martin O'Neill, the trio of Young, Carew, and Agbonlahor were literally unstoppable. And they scared the living daylights out of opponents and defenders. Um, and for me, he, he was absolutely incredible in those few years. Um, in his first full season of senior football um, under O'Neill, so once O'Neill got the job after O'Leary left, he sort of made him a regular starter and he scored 10 goals in his first season. And always scoring goals against sort of key opponents as well, Chelsea, United and Liverpool. The next year he got 11 um, again, another another against United, a winner against Chelsea, 
um, and one in each of the Blues derbies that season, both home and away. He was a key player in the 5-1 demolition, ran them absolutely ragged that day with Ashley Young. But later on that season, his 87th minute winner at St Andrews is literally one of the probably the best moments of my life. I'd never experienced anything like that. That away end was absolutely incredible. I can't explain it better than anything I've ever seen since, even yeah. the Grealish one last season or whenever that was. Um, and that set him up for an incredible time in the derbies as well, um, following on from that in, in the years to come. Next season, he scored nine goals. A famous one in the famous win at the Emirates, a winner at the Hawthorns. Again, he, he spooked baggies as much as he did Blues. And then in 09-10, season we've talked about a bit already, it was his best in the Villa shirt. He scored 15 that season. Another last-minute headed winner at St Andrews. You know, the scenes in that win were just as good. We couldn't believe he'd done it again. The Blues fans couldn't believe he'd done it again. He was, he'd been on the wind-up. He's always on the wind-up, but he actually backs it up as well. You know, a lot of players talk, but he, he backed it up in those big games. He scored a goal against Wolves. And again, in that same season, he got a historic winner in our one win at Old Trafford, which is the club's first win at Old Trafford in so many years. I don't know, but it was you know, 25 plus, I think. And he played a key part in the run to that Carling Cup final. He scored in the semi-final win against Blackburn. And then it was his pace that got him behind Vidic in the final that um, won us the penalty. And we know... That day should have gone differently. It should have been a red card, and you know the players of that era should should have probably got the the trophy that they deserved. I think, you know, his career did peter out at Villa. Undoubtedly, McLeish McLeish's football is never going to benefit Gabby. He only returned six goals that season. Then he did have a mini revival under Paul Lambert, um, where he scored another ten goals in twelve thirteen. Um, and, and we know it did tail off and people have questioned his attitude in the relegation season And but I do genuinely believe he was a victim of what was a long mm. long spiral of decline for the club you know he, he, what he achieved for us in his prime the incredible memories he gave us um, and the goals he scored you know even, even at his chubbiest and in our worst dullest championship season under Steve Bruce his one and only goal that season yeah. was in front of the Holt end against Blues when he'd just come off the bench, clattered somebody into the advertising <laughs> hoarding, he's got the crowd going. And, you know, he sparked what was a terrible game of football. And that's just, for me, that's what stands out. You know, people have argued that he's a disgrace, down tools, etc. But we were a shambles of the club at the time. He was being treated poorly by Remy Gard. And, you know... It must have been painful for him as well. He loved the club. He loves the club as much as us. And he wasn't good enough anymore. You know, it's not his fault. He wasn't good enough anymore. Uh, the players around him weren't good enough. The staff weren't good enough. Good, good enough. The owners weren't good enough. And, you know, I'm not one to say he was professional throughout and his attitude was exemplary. Like, But, you know, we're all human. We all have tough times. Nobody's perfect. And I think if he'd have finished his career in a in a brighter period, People would look back more fondly on him, but you know, I'm a positive person. When Gabby Obonlacor comes into my head, all I, all that comes flooding back is the good times, the memories, the away ends, the derby wins, the cup finals, Blues games, Baggies games, just everything he did for us. Um, you know, even the consecutive away wins record under O'Neill that we haven't talked yeah. about, he was part of, that. Row, yeah. um, part of that. And yeah, it, it, for me, he's a club legend. I don't care what anyone says. You can debate it all night long with me. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I can see, mate. Um, and and Gabby, Gabby, Gabby's yeah, got right, to be okay, in there. All right, all right. Well, I'm conscious of time, so I won't go. In, I won't let the other uh, speak on this, and we'll vote, we'll vote on it in a minute. But 
I want to pick pick on two more players. Um, one, one I'll go into a bit deep because this is a player that I, I absolutely love and I think should be in the top five. And then another player that we all love, that all Villa fans love, um, that also deserves potentially a spot in the in the top five as well. And there's other players as well. You know, the players like Boateng or Barrow, J. Lloyd Samuel. You know, there's loads of like Tony Daly even played in the Premier League a little bit. You know, there's there's plenty of players that have played for us that deserve a spot um, um, and deserve a mention. But it's hard. We've limited time to go through every single one. One player I like to mention, you know, we've been talking about strikers a lot and, and Gavi and Benteke in Dublin. A, a defender, centre-back defender, a, a, a player that a man is no longer with us, unfortunately. And, and a really, you know, if you just look at what he's done, the impact he's made in the footballing world, you know, a very generous and kind man and an amazing person. But more, and also, as importantly, you know, he was an amazing player for Aston Villa. And that's Hugo Ehiog. Uh, you know, came back, came from West Brom back in 91, didn't ha- didn't play too much in the first couple of seasons, but was eventually a replacement for Sean Teal and partnered along with Paul McGrath. Um, played and uh, you know played in that uh, played a bit part in the League Cup w- uh, run in '94. In and, and I remember he missed I think he missed a penalty against Tranmere, hit the bar, uh, but we still managed to get through. But you know it was still still a vital player that season. You know played a bit part like I said, but still vital. And and then eventually you know he formed a partnership with that famous back three of McGrath and Southgate and himself. And and I, th- I really think. You know, Hugo Ehiog, because yeah, he played with so many good players. You know, he's he may be slightly underrated, and not by but not by me. I still I think even over Southgate, I think he was the better defender. I think Southgate got more plaudits and got the England caps, but I think Hugo for me was a was a better player, was a better defender, pure and out and out defender. Um, you know, he 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 yes, he you know he's got the ninety four cup uh, winners medal. He wasn't really involved, but ninety five, ninety six season, he was amazing, and that the cup final he was amazing, that cup run he was amazing. He became a regular for, for Villa. Um, he had 300 appearances in all competitions, 15 goals. Um, actually, one thing that not many people know was he's the first ever black player to captain an England side. So he was the he, he captain England in 21s yeah. uh, against Netherlands back in 1993. Um, so amazing milestone there. Uh, and considering what we're talking about as the top black players and his Black History Month, I think that needs to be that needs to be mentioned. I know eventually he went to. Uh, Middlesbrough and it was a bit, a bit of under a cloud but you know at the same point as you're making with Gabby Chads you know our club was sort of declining a little bit Doug Ellis wasn't investing and there was a severe lack of ambition you know we'd just lost in the finals Chelsea in the FA Cup and I think that was a big part to play if he'd won that then maybe he would have stayed but he went to Middlesbrough eventually for 80 million pounds there was a bit of uh, West Brom had a 50% salon apparently so uh, that's, that's why that, that move took a bit of time Middlesbrough, he won the cup, League Cup there as well. I won't talk too much about that, but you know he, he had England caps. I remember, he's, I think he had debut in '96, and he scored when he was playing for Middlesbrough. Scored at Villa Park as well, that header against Spain. Just an amazing player. You know, he was strong, he was quick, he was good in the air, he was decent on the ball. He used to drive out a defence with the ball. I remember that. You know, he was one of the you know, not many players, not many defenders did that. You know, they'd hoof it, but he could hoof it, but he could also play out and, and, and sort of drive and run through run through midfield. And he was just an excellent player. And I think. He allowed players like Southgate. He almost did a job like McGrath did. You know, he tied it up. He was that player who did all the dirty work and allowed Southgate to be the one who got on the ball and, and started moves off. And yeah, Southgate got all the plaudits, but I think Hugo deserves a massive amount of respect. And he's one of the best defenders we've ever had in the Premier League era. And he's won trophies as well. Uh, and he's and and the person he is and the, the influence he's made on the game and what he's achieved, I think he definitely deserves to be in that top five category. Um. I mean, I won't, I won't go too much into your thoughts because obviously we're running a bit short on time. So the last player I wanted to touch upon, just get your thoughts quickly. 
uh, is Ian Taylor, a, a man Villa fans absolutely love and adore, a Villa fan, one of our own, a player who made the, the best of his ability. Let's be honest, you know, he he, uh, he never gave up. He always fought, always gave 100% and was box to box, a really dynamic midfielder and chipped in with some really important goals. Uh, Deckers, what's your, what's your memories of Ian Taylor uh, as a youngster? Um, yeah, he was just a, like, a big presence on the pitch, wasn't he? And, and um, I think like, in being at Villa nine years, um, he only scored 28 goals, but there were, like, there were some really crucial goals in there. He scored in the um, League Cup final against Leeds, uh, scored both goals and an away win at Cov, um, both goals and a win against Tottenham. So like his goals will go go down like they were they're good memories, aren't they? You know, like for uh, the goals that he scored, um, and like I, not as a player, but I've seen him in away ends and things like that, and he's like the club ambassador, and like so not just as a player, I just think like he's just a legend, isn't yeah, he? At Villa? Yeah, so yeah. for me, that's why I'd. Jugsy, your thoughts on Taylor? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, he was a great player and made most of his ability um, and he's a driving force in that midfield. But he's won us the League Cup, which is obviously one of the great attributes in terms of what we're looking for in terms of judging people by by their ability and how great they were in, in a Villa shirt. But yeah, I think he's a good representation of Villa fans. Um, he's obviously the club ambassador. Uh, he represents us in, in different, different forums and different events and things like that. And just to see a Villa fan live out his dream, I think, like like Gabby, um, it's just yeah something that we warm to as fans. And he never gave up, and he never sort of gave a less than six out of ten performance. I thought in a Villa shirt, he was pretty consistent as a player, and um, he probably wouldn't have the natural ability as some of the players, other players we've mentioned. But he never let us down as a fan. Yeah, and he had a great partnership with Boateng. Um later on and towards the end of his career and them, them two were a massive driving force for how well we did uh, under Gregory. Yeah, great player, great person as well and like I say, a Villa fan and, and made the best of his ability and came up with some crucial goals. Um, Chadzi, just quickly before we start voting, your final thoughts on, on Ian Taylor? Yeah, I just remember his sort of long-busting leggy runs from from box to box, like you said. He'd, he'd always break and be on the striker the sort of player that was always sort of getting getting in behind to add that sort of third man run or be there for the flick on. But at the same time as doing that, was not, like you say, had a nice solid partnership in the middle with Botang, loved the tackle, covered every blade of grass, good for a goal. So sort of your all-round all round midfielder, really. Um, like you said, made made the most of his ability and lived out, lived out our dreams of playing for his boy of the club. And I think you have got to take into account the fact he won a trophy. take into account like like Deck has touched on the fact that he's still a massive part of the club um, and uh, yeah my more me- my more recent memories of him uh, being sat next to him at Blues Away and seeing him sing singing going mad as much as everyone else yeah. so yeah legend yeah. all right cool yeah no I think uh, that says it all so let's let's start voting then on, on players uh, we'll start with uh, yeah, I mean, let's, the best way to do it is if you just pick your last two players, and then we'll, we'll, we'll I'll tally up and see who which players gets the most votes. So, Chazzy, who, who are the two that you would put pick out of all that all the arguments that we've made? Uh, yes, obviously, Gabby goes straight in for me. Um, and on hindsight, after all of the all of the points presented, 
and how much I loved him as well as a player and what he did considering the squad he played in. For me, Ben Teke, I think uh, just absolute quality player, really good, could play in any side, does it all. And um, he just just makes it in for me. Everyone else had a valid case, but you can only pick, all right, pick cool. two more. All right, uh, Deke is your choice. Who do you go with? Who are the two that you go with? Uh, definitely Gabby. And then I'm torn between Dublin and Taylor and it will probably could change for me like every day. But today, I, right now, I'm going to go with um, Ian Taylor. Okay, Ian Taylor. Right, Jugsy, your, your two picks. Yeah, um, I'm influenced by Chad Z, so I'm definitely going Gabby after his monologue. Enjoyed that, to be fair. And because I'm fickle, even though I've sort of championed Ben Teke, again, I think Ian Taylor gets a knock. All right, okay. Right. Right, I'm going to... Well, yeah, full I think, house for Gabby. I think Ian Taylor just beats Ben Teke. All right, okay, fair enough, okay. Um, well, full house for me, for Gabby, I think. I, I wasn't going to pick him. I, I, my original two picks were Ugo and Daley Atkinson, but I think Daley Atkinson is more nostalgia. You know, he's my first ever hero. Um, but if you're going for the greatest Villa players, the greatest black players, and we're judging it on performances, what they've done for the club, what they mean to fans, and, and what they won as, as, as trophy, uh, in terms of trophies as well, then I'm going to go for, for Gabby uh, as well, and then I'm going to go for Ugo. Uh, I know he didn't gain, but I think he really should have got in. But unfortunately, you know, I think maybe, maybe you guys didn't see him as much as me. But yeah, I definitely think he should have got in. But oh well, that, that's that's what it is. But looking at the results, then the, the two that go in are going to be looking at the results. So Gabby got four, Benteke got one, Ugo got one, and then last position. Well, and then uh, Taylor got two. So the last two slots are Gabby and Taylor. So just to confirm, the five, Paul McGrath, number one, and this is not in any order. Just top five. Paul McGrath, number one. Dwight York, number two. Gabby. Ashley Young, number three. Gabby, number four. And Ian Taylor, number five. That's who we've decided are the top five black players to play for Villa in the Premier League. There you go. Well, Happy with who's going to play in the <laughs> uh, I reckon uh, Tails will do a job, doesn't he? I'm sure he will do a job. He's got the reach, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. Get, get David James in. <laughs> David James there. Uh, well, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Bang on. I don't think we've had another black goalkeeper, have we? from David James no we nearly signed uh, that French one. player I can't remember what his name was but he didn't come to us uh, Mandanda Mandanda right. that was it yeah Stephen Mandanda but yeah alright well done boys good uh, good conversation went on a bit longer than we thought but I think we love those players so much it's hard not to talk about them so yeah so yeah, that, that was good um, hopefully you guys agree but leave your this is our first ever YouTube video so I'm going to say this for the first time but leave your comments in the in the video and let us know who you think should have been in the top five and who you disagree with um, and uh, hopefully you agree with some of them. But you know, it's, it's one of those it's opinions, isn't it? it? Depends what era you were you were watching the game and who who you have the fondest memories of. You know, Gabby for me initially wouldn't have gone in, but then the way way Chazzy described it, you know, I, I think it's hard not to put him in, uh, especially when he's our all time Premier League goal scorer. So whoever it is, you know, leave your comments below and, and let us know what you think. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, we, we're not going to be doing too many regular videos, but all our audio podcast will be uploaded so you, you can listen to them on there and then when there's a when there is a you know there's a need to do a video and we think it's worthwhile uh, then we will do that we are planning to do a, a special edition on video um and i won't let too, i won't let you know too much about that right now but that should be something to look forward to in, in a maybe next month or, or the month after towards christmas and, and that'll be a good one uh but now just touching on the the upcoming game on sunday against southampton 
another tough test for Villa after Leeds. Um, the winning run has come to an end. The streak has ended, as I say. Um, it'd, be, uh, it'd be an interesting game. Southampton in, in really good form uh, and doing really well in the league, as Villa are as well. Obviously, in a great start by Villa, great start by Saints as well. Chadzi, what are your initial thoughts on the game and uh, and, and how do you think the, the game will go? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough test. They're, they're in some good form. They lost their first two games of the season, but are unbeaten in four since. Um, Ten points, I think it is, from six games. I think the start, their poor start to the season was down to well, inside info from a few Southampton. I've spoken to saying that they were just life without Hoiberg and I think they had a few COVID issues as well. But I watched their game at the weekend against Everton yeah. and they were just excellent. They press high. Uh, they've got a high line and they look to win the ball back really quickly in, in, the, in the sort of final third if they do lose it. So, you know, tactically, I think they're very similar in terms of Liverpool with that high line and they just back themselves to win the ball higher up the pitch. But they're definitely there for the taking if we can if we can sort of play quickly through that press, if that makes sense. So when we do lose the ball, they're going to be look, looking to get it back immediately. And if we can be progressive and have some confidence with our past and, and exploit that high line. And I think um, the centre-back partnership um, it, are there for the taking, really. They're, they're not that quick. And that's already been exposed by Son uh, when, when Spurs beat them 5-2, by Zaha when Palace beat them. And um, in their other game against Chelsea when Timo Werner exploited them as well, even though they went on to get the point. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting tactical battle, I think, because... If they get their press right and they're on it, you know, they're favourites for me. They're an established side that are, are strong and they're in good form. Uh, and it's going to be really, really interesting for us to see how we A, bounce back from a defeat um, and B, sort of, can we do it again against a team that's sort of offering us that Yeah, that it's a good test for us, I think. Um, you know, Leeds, that Leeds game was one of those games, I think Leeds can do that to any team. Um, and if you have an off day, then they can do that. So this will be a more interesting game, I think, to see where we are currently in terms of our progression as a team um, and how we're going to do in the Premier League. And, and Southampton will be a, a really tough test. Jugsy, what what do you make of Southampton, and how do you think the game will go? And, and you know, who, who are some of the key players that we should look out for? Yeah, um, I think it'd be an interesting game. They beat us twice last season, so we should be out for revenge, and we won't be taking it lightly at all. But as you, as Chazzy mentioned, they're quite direct in their play, so they're trying to get the ball up to their forwards quite quickly. Che Adams, so Che Adams mm-hmm. would normally drop off Inks, run the channels, and then Inks is obviously the sort of target man. Um, I think danger danger man for them is probably yeah Inks. Obviously, is a natural goal scorer, been in good form again this season. Redmond had a really good game uh, against Everton last week, um, so he's looking dangerous on that left wing. And their full-backs are quite attacking, so their two centre midfielders will hold. So Ward-Prowse and Romeu will hold. Full-backs Bertrand and Walker-Peter. They're quite good in linking up with their wingers. So they're quite an interesting side, quite aggressive, I'd say, in the, in the, in the final third in terms of pressing the opposition. One is, is a game that we should look to be on the front foot with, and they're quite suspect to the counter-attack. A counter-attack so with our pace their centre-backs aren't quick as Chazzy mentioned and uh, I think they can sort of go over expansive with their full-back so if we can get in behind there'll be a threat yeah. in uh, set pieces as well so we need to be wary of that um, in terms of marking their backs but it's a team that we think I think we could counter-attack quite well so 
I think it'd be an interesting one, and uh, it's one that I think we expect a, a decent result out of. So I'm expecting a point at least. Um, yeah, you mentioned there countering and very similar to to the Liverpool game that that Chadzi mentioned. If we're on on our on form and uh, players like Grealish and Watkins and Barkley uh, are doing are are, are are the best, then potentially we we can get something out of this game and and, and do well and maybe even get a win. Uh, I mean, Deckers, uh, what were your thoughts on the game? And do you think Ollie Watkins is going to be key for this game? Uh, for, for how well we do? Um, yeah, I think you covered most of it. But the, um, I think it'd be interesting to see how we bounce back from last week. Um, two defeats on the trot will be a bit, it could hit the team hard. But then again, if we bounce back, it, it could um, rejuvenate us, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, get us yeah. going again. So I think, like, key is just keeping Shea Adams and Danny Ings quiet. And if we keep them quiet, we've definitely got the tools to take them apart. So. Um, we, with like you say Watkins, Grealish, Barkley, McGinn, we can. Uh, we've definitely got it in us to win the game. So it'd be interest. It's an interesting one. I'm looking forward to it. If Mings and Konza and well the, the whole back four are tight and can keep them quiet, then we've we're, we're in with more than yeah. a shout. So. Ch- Chadzi, would you Chadzi, look would you look to, to make any changes after the defeat against Leeds, or would you keep keep stick with the same side? I think I'll stick with the same side. Um, you know. The, one, the obvious one everyone always talks about is when will Traore get a start over Trezeguet. But for me, it's the same side. I just think tactically we've we've got to like attack attack with pace um, in terms of we've got to look to create that chance quickly because if we turn the ball over, we don't want to let them get back into a defensive shape. And I watched the Everton Southampton Everton game last week, and Southampton were excellent. They completely nullified mm. Calvert Lewin, and Calvert Lewin didn't really have any support. The, the Everton midfield were quite sluggish. Rodriguez, Sigurdsson, Bicore, that they they didn't get up and support him quickly enough, and by the time they got up and supported him, Southampton were back in set. So if 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 we do lose the ball and they look to press the high, we've got to transition really quickly. Watkins get Grealish, Barkley begin running off him early, um, and if we can do that and be as clinical as we were against Liverpool, then we have got a really good chance. I think those centre backs are there for the taking. Uh, Benarek and Vestergaard, you know, they're more more yeah. up for an aerial duel, strong physical players, and don't necessarily fit the way Hasselhoff wants them to play. And I think that's probably their biggest area that we want to exploit, but we can't do that unless mm. we're really sharp with our passing. Um, so no changes for me. Just just need to be on it in midfield. Leeds was an off off day, like we talked about after the game. If we perform, we've got a chance without doubt, but we've got to pay them the respect they deserve. They're established side, a very good side. They all know their roles. They've got a good work ethic. They, they've got seem to have a good togetherness. And Danny Ings is a player that's absolutely on fire. So, you know, for me, a draw would probably be a good result. Would you look to change the shape of Villa, how we set up? Well, obviously, we, we slightly tweaked things against Leeds and, and it didn't work. Um, as, as we know, we lost 3-0. But would you look to make us a bit more solid and maybe go back to that 4-2-3-1 formation and have McGinn and Louise sitting again? Or would you look to change things up a little bit? Um, yeah, I'd probably consider that again, just to be a bit more bit more solid. Um, I think the one sort of change a lot of fans have earmarked is uh, Trezeguet. Right? Uh, I personally wouldn't go for Traore in, in this game, I'd, uh, especially um, against Southampton. I think Trezeguet would be the best bet just to obviously keep an eye on um, Southampton's full-backs and, and Bertrand, so we can obviously track him back. Um, so it's not a game that 
he's maybe get McGinn to sit with Louise again and just try and play on the counter again. Get Grealish uh, not so far alongside Watkins. Maybe keep keep him tucked in again. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, and so I suppose before we end the show, let's get your predictions then. Um, Deckers, what, how do you think the game's going to go and uh, what do you think the final result will be? Um, I reckon Villa are going to come back out put it. I think last week could be the wake-up call that they needed after going on the... Um, after a great start. Um, bring us back down to earth. Maybe we're not going to walk through yeah. games. Um, so I'm going to go with a Villa... Three one. Wow. Okay. All right. Optimistic. I like it. Jugsy, what were you going for? I'm going for a one all draw. One all draw. All right. Thinking with your head there, I think. Um, Jadzi, what are you going for? Yeah. Yeah, that's my gut. One all draw. Um, the optimist in me feels like we can win and we can nick it. Um, I think it'll be tight, maybe 2-1, but I'll yeah, stick with 1-1. Good, I think it's a, probably a, a fair prediction. I think last weekend we saw the goals go back to a bit more, more normality, really. Uh, there weren't that many goals in the, in, over the weekend compared to what it's been the first few weeks. So I do think maybe defences are getting a bit tighter and, and players are getting fitter and concentrating more, as, as we've alluded to in some of our earlier podcasts. So I think I'm going to go for a draw as well, a score draw, either 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. Um, I, I think both teams are, are pretty evenly matched. And uh, both teams have the ability to to blow the other team out of the water, really, I think, um, it, depending on who's on form and who's off form. But if both teams play to the best of their abilities, then I think they're pretty evenly matched. And I'd expect both teams to finish near each other in the table this season. Uh, or oh, I certainly hope Villa do anyway, because I think Southampton will be comfortably mid-table. Um, so, yeah, we're going for that result. But um, apart from that, really, um, thank you for your time, guys. This is, like I said, this is our first YouTube video. We hope you enjoyed the the debate around the top five black players to play for Aston Villa in the Premier League. Um, it was a really interesting discussion and brought back some amazing memories for me personally. And uh, it was it was a tough choice. You know, there's so many good players there that we could have picked. Um, and, you know, you know, we do this next week and it could be a completely different outcome. It's one of those things. But... Chadzi, Deckers, Jugsy, thanks for your time, boys. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Cheers, Holmes. Thanks, look forward to the Southampton game. We'll be back after the thanks. Southampton game with a, with the lockdown lowdown, and hopefully we'll be reviewing a win. Uh, but apart from that, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, like I said, there won't be too many videos, but we'll be uploading all the audio podcasts as well. They're already out there now, so I've uploaded all of them. It's up to date. Um, but also subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you're on. We're all on the major, all on the major platforms. Uh, leave a review or rating on Apple if, you, if you're on there as well. Uh, it helps us a lot. Uh, but thank you for your time. And, and apart from that, up the villa. Up the villa. Go on the villa, boys. I love it. I love it.